When you think about uh, church and you think about people that come to church, some of you might have stayed away because of maybe you thought that people dressed up and went to church and that was kind of fake because you know that everybody in the world has a, a, a sense of fallenness and brokenness. And I know that uh, some people, uh, when they think of church, they may think you know, that those are the beautiful people. They go to church, they're together. And we know that that is not, that's just a fable. When you come to church, do you see hurting people and troubled people? And there's a tension, there's definitely a tension if we even talk about this topic, because on the one side, God makes all things new. So the idea that he births in us and gives us grace, and we are made in the image of God, and we are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ, there is that declaration and confession because of Jesus. On the other side uh, and the balance in all of this is a fallen world where the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And there are many things, and we've talked, even last week we talked about how sometimes you suffer in this world because of your own choices, and then sometimes you suffer because of somebody else's choices. And then there are other times when it has nothing to do with a choice, it's something that has happened. And so I think anytime we talk about this, when we talk about this balance, I realize that one of my goals as a pastor is for us to understand and for us to be able to keep a, a in the spirit of the Holy Spirit led and for us to keep lifting Jesus and to let the glory of the Lord to rise among us is for us to realize that we're a hospital for sinners. We are not a country club for saints. And we are a people who are in need and there is a sense of desperation for all of us here. There's a sense for us of how much we need the Lord. I know that in Matthew 11, Jesus spoke and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. I want to come today and challenge all of us in this Legends series. This Legends series was, is us looking at stories in the Bible of these moments of like, just these life-changing moments so that we would have moments of life change for us. So if you have your Bible, turn to John 5. And as we look at John 5, I, I know that there are many different people here in one of those categories, whether you have made decisions whether other decisions have been made for you and they're suffering or something's happening to you. And so anytime I preach a sermon like this, there is that sense of a lot of different people in the room. But I'm praying, this is what I'm praying, I'm praying that the Lord, as we look at this word, that the Lord 
would through the power of the Holy Spirit speak to each one of us and encourage us in the direction towards what God is calling us. John 5, we find that there is a, a feast of the, of the Jews and all the, so everybody went to Jerusalem and Jesus went to Jerusalem and they go uh, by this sheep gate, there's a pool there called Bethesda. And so uh, there's a multitude of people. There are many people that are blind and lame and they're paralyzed. And one man who had been there, he had been an invalid for 38 years. In verse six, we pick up. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he, that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. And uh, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered him, the man who healed me, that man who healed me, he said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now this is one of those stories in the Bible that meet us here today in the idea that we chose this passage. I think John MacArthur was the guy that said, there are some of you here that need to be comforted, but you feel uncomfortable. And there are some of you here that need to be uncomfortable and you feel way too comforted. There's a balance in all this because some of you are facing many different conundrums. So I hope that you can hear and the Spirit of the Lord will decipher this for us and we can all learn here today. The first thing that you see in this, and we can learn from this man who was healed, this encounter from this story, is that this man had to make a decision. He had to decide. And he had to decide what he really wanted for some reason. And we think, if you look at the story, by the time you get into verse six, you think it very insensitive of Jesus that he would actually ask the guy. Why would you ask a guy who's been an invalid for 38 years, hey, do you wanna get well? But he asked them that in verse six. He asked, do you want to get well? And here's the one thing, no matter who you are today, 
and what you're walking through. This is something I'm still kind of learning and grabbing a hold of in my life. And that is this. Having faith moving forward is the right thing to do. In fact, it's a moral decision for me to, to really... I mean, when I think about this question, it sounds like an absurd question. It just sounds absurd that he would ask this question. But he asked the question, and the man has to look inside. He has to make a decision. How am I going to move forward in this? How am I going to walk forward in this suffering? How am I going to walk forward in my life? Dave Reaver a disabled Vietnam veteran tells the story of a man who wanted to uh, become ineligible for the draft during that era. So what he did was he had all his teeth pulled, all of them, so that he would be unfit. But when he took the physical, he was declared unfit because he had flat feet. So many times in our life, making that decision, looking within, and then making that decision, that question doesn't seem so absurd. And that's a question we have to answer. What do you really want? How then shall we live? Doctors Mennereth and Meyer wrote a book entitled Happiness is a Choice. And as they wrote, they wrote these words. As psychiatrists, we cringe whenever patients use the words, I can't. Any good psychiatrist knows that I can't is merely an excuse for many. We insist that our patients stop saying can't, and they have to say won't instead. They need to say uh, what they are really doing in many situations. So we make them face it by repeating this. So in other words, that you can't just go and say, I just, I just can't get along with my wife. You have to say, I, I, I just won't get along with my wife. My husband and I can't communicate. You have to say, my husband and I won't communicate. Uh, you can't say, I can't discipline my kids the way I should. You have to say, I won't discipline my kids the way I should. Or, I can't stop gossiping. You, you have to say, I won't stop gossiping. And when they change their can'ts to their won'ts, they stop avoiding the truth and they start facing reality. Now, I know that in this room, for every one of us, there are limitations where can't applies. I know that. There are people here, many of us, we all have limitations of the things that we can't do because there are limitations. But that does not apply to all of our life. And there are so many times when we come up against adversity that so many of us just make it all can't. My dad used to say, I used to say, well, I can't do that. And my dad would always say those famous words, can't never did a thing. Can't never did a thing, Johnny. And you see, we, like this man, have to decide. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 
he had to decide and then he had to stop. And for this man, he had to stop as he spoke to Jesus. He was saying to him, when he asked him, do you wanna get well? He said, I don't have anybody to help me when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes before me. He had to stop at this point, looking outside of himself and possibly even blaming. Evidently, this man had enough friends to get him there, but not enough friends to stick around and get him in the pool. And so there was a local belief that the waters of Bethesda were healing waters, and, and the people in that day believed that the waters of Bethesda bubbled up, and the first one in the water would be cured. So he's complaining. Every time this happens, no one's here. And to me, again, I don't want to seem insensitive because to me it seems insensitive to, to, to say that, hey, you just need to shut up. I, I'm not saying that. But the man had to stop what he was doing. I will never forget many years ago sitting with my pastor, Bob Yaberg, and I was talking to him and I was telling him about... Um, a situation in our family, and I was talking to him about uh, just some, as a parent, how I was uh, talking to my kids, and I was, I was uh, kind of apologizing, and I'll never forget him saying to me, and he said, Johnny, stop right now. You need to stop doing that. And I said, well, Bob, it's a godly thing to do for me to do that. Johnny, stop doing that right now. That's not healthy. And I want to encourage you today, some of us, not only do we have to kind of reflect and decide, but some of us need to take a moment and stop. Stop blaming outside forces for what's going on inside of who we are. It's easy to blame other people because you know what? If you're anything, and maybe it's just me that I'm preaching to today. If you're anything like me, I am just like Adam. When Adam, you remember Adam when he sinned? When he sinned, he, he said, the woman you gave me persuaded me to eat. What did Adam do when God came near? He hid in the bushes and he blamed her. That's what we do. That's our propensity. Our propensity, that's the character of who we are. We hide and we blame. We hide our sin and we blame somebody else. And so this man says this. You know, when Moses, I, I remember when Moses asked his brother Aaron why he permitted the Israelites to worship the golden calf, <laughs> Aaron says this, the people pressured me to do something since you were gone so long, Moses. And they wanted gods like the Canaanites. So I just threw their jewelry into the fire and out came the calf. And Aaron blames four people without, just like when one fell swoop. He blames Moses because he took too long. He blames the Canaanites because they, like, they influenced me in the bad way. They, uh, he, he blames everybody. He even blames the fire because look, I put it in there and out came the fire did this. And we do the same thing so many times in our lives. We want to do 
and be whole and move forward and be a life that's glorifying to God. We want to do that. We want to be whole. But so many times, we're so busy blaming everybody else for what's going on. And so, many people here do the same thing. Say, well, I'd stop. I'd stop drinking if my wife would stop nagging me. I've heard people say this. I'd work harder, but nobody appreciates the effort, so I don't care. I'd make better grades, but you know what? My teacher, she doesn't like me. There was a guy named William, King William of Potsdam, once paid a royal visit to a prison. And as he went through, he met with each prisoner, and they begged, they pleaded, they claimed their innocence, and they begged for a pardon. All of them. All of them came and they claimed their innocence and they begged for a pardon, except for one. One man came in and said, I'm guilty. I shouldn't have done it. I don't, it was wrong and I'm really sorry that I did it. And so the King William told the warden, get this guilty man out of prison before he corrupts all these innocent men. Truth is, Romans 14, 12, each one of us will give an account to God, account of himself to God. Maybe it's time for us. Remember this old song, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. That seems like a, an old song now, but it's true. Sometimes, not only do you have to decide, Sometimes you have to stop. And then another thing is that this man had to try. He had to put forth an effort. Notice that Jesus was motivated. Uh, and, and says Jesus said to him, he says to him, uh, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. I, I, I know that for me, it is for me to have faith is the right thing to do, to decide to move in the wholeness of God. Uh, but I have to stop listening to the outside world and everything else. But this third thing is you gotta try. You gotta make an effort. Jesus frequently required effort on the part of people. Not always, but often, and he required a response of faith when they did. For the 10 lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priests. As they did, they were healed. And then the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. And the man did, and he was healed. And when he put clay on the eyes of the blind men, he said, go wash uh, in the pool of Siloam. And when they washed, they were healed. There's always an effort for us, believing God. One of the things this past Wednesday I was reminded of was that four years ago from Wednesday, uh, the Jagger family was on the family vacation and were in a very tragic accident uh, in West Virginia. And uh, immediately the family, uh, Amy was had broken bones and, and was really hurting, and Alyssa as well needed to be uh, life flighted up to Charleston. And so as they uh, 
came there, and some of you have heard this story. Maybe you've, you've, some of you might not know, but uh, Alyssa was paralyzed in that accident. And uh, some of the scars, even for the whole family, it still remains today how hard it is when something like that happens. It's tectonic in your life. It changes your life. One of the things I realized very, very early on is that Alyssa and Amy, all four of them, Chad and Cam, all of them, made a decision that they were gonna do their part. They were gonna try. They were gonna do their best. And they were going to sacrifice and they were gonna love and they were gonna believe and they were going to do what was best. They're praying for a miracle. They prayed for a miracle and they are praying for a miracle. But in the meantime, they are trying. They are doing their part. One of the things I love about Alyssa is that she has busted it. She has done everything she can do. And especially those three years right after in the summer when she was off of school, she has tried to put her, listen, she has tried to put herself in a position and, and really do something. And she's trying to do her part for healing. She has decided and she stopped looking outside of herself and saying, you know, the reason's just to quit and stop. And well, that's, oh, I guess the doctors told me, you know, this is what's going to happen. Now, listen, I want to tell you, she's like all of us. Has it been clunky? Yeah. Has she had setbacks? Yeah. Has it been kind of sometimes, I'm sure privately, it's probably been pretty rough. I'm pretty certain of that. I mean, all of us here, that would be our testimony. When those kinds of things happen, like when, when things happen in your life, you don't handle them perfectly, you know? I mean, they just don't. But from the get-go, she's tried. And she's trying to put herself in a position of healing because she's decided. She's decided early on. And she stopped blaming everybody else. She had to get over I'm sure she's had times where she's been probably torqued off and thought, you know, kind of probably felt sorry in probably a very normal, typical way. It's probably, that would be normal to think about that. Why me? But she hadn't stopped trying. I want to encourage you in the same. If you're here and you want to be whole, part of that is you make an effort. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Folks, we live in a fallen world. I don't know if you uh, got that. You've learned that yet. We live in a fallen world. And the brokenness that we see everywhere, that's all around us, when we turn on the news or whether we're just in our own families or in our neighborhood or in our school, when you see all that, that brokenness, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And I cannot stand before you and say, hey, if you become a Christian, a lot of that rain doesn't fall on you. You'll not lose loved ones. Hey, by the way, I wanna remind you today Every person Jesus ever healed died. They did. We know from Scripture. 
Psalm 116, verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Were we created for eternity? We live in this fallen world, though. And so you have to decide, how am I going to move forward? I want to encourage you to decide. To stop. Stop allowing those outside forces and blaming other people. Put forth the effort, and here's the last thing. This man had to experience Jesus himself, and he gave credit to Jesus. In my final moments here this morning, I'm reminded of something that Bob Yaberg, my pastor, would do. He would not, when he met somebody or he would met with a group of men or anything, or just new believers or anything like that, he never asked them, hey, when did you get saved? He never asked them, like, so, when did you get baptized? He never said that. You know what he always asked? He always said, when did God become real to you? That's a good question. When did God become real to you? In verses 19 through 13, he gets healed. He takes up his mat and walks, and the church folk are all upset. They're all mad. Oh, what's he doing? The Jews said to the man, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you from carrying your mat. And think about that. All upset because somebody's carrying a mat on Sunday and that's against the traditions of the Sabbath. That's the way we religious people are. We gag on a gnat and swallow a camel. We get all worked up about something little. Students start coming to our church. They don't know how to act in church. They don't know how to act in youth group. They don't know how to act in so many ways. Maybe they always tell my kids, hey, not everybody grew up in your house. They may not know how to act. And when that happens, we get all, they finally came to church. Isn't this what we, what we were all excited about? That people would find the Lord? But this man had to experience Jesus for himself. Somebody else couldn't dial that in for him. He had to experience that for himself. And Jesus, knowing, he knows it's the Sabbath, he does it, it stirs up everybody, it's not popular. And this man, listen, has to decide. I don't care about your religious rule. I was, man, I was an invalid for 38 years. Look at me, I can walk. Just like the man who said, I was blind and now I see. I, I don't know anything about your religious rules, but I, I had to get Jesus. I, had to, I needed this. I needed Jesus. I, I don't know anything about all this stuff you're talking about, who it was and the, all that stuff, but I... So later he comes and he meets up with Jesus. And did you notice that he says, when you read the story, you see... You, you see this where Jesus reveals himself to the man and, and he says to him, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. He finally gets to the crux of the worst issue in our life and that is a sin issue. Did you notice that he says again? He was well again. Evidently there had been a time when he could not walk and the man went away and he told the Jews. 
Max Licato, in his book, He Still Moves Stones, writes these words. Why are these, why are the Gospels full of such hopeless people? Though their, though their situations vary, their conditions don't. They are trapped. They are rejected. They are nowhere, there's nowhere to, to turn. On their lips, a desperate pair, prayer. In their hearts, desolate dreams. And in their hands, a broken rope. But before their eyes, a never-say-die Galilean who majors in stepping in when everybody else steps out. And again, I ask, why are these stories in the Bible? Why did God leave us one tale after another of wounded lives being restored? Is it so we could just be grateful for the past? So we could look back with amazement at what Jesus did? No, no, a thousand times no. The purpose of these stories is not to tell us what Jesus did. The purpose of these stories is to tell us what Jesus does. And I want to encourage you with that today. How does God react to dashed hopes? Read the story of Jairus. How does God, the Father feel about those who are ill? Stand with him at the pool of Bethesda. What is God's word for the shameful? Watch his fingers draw on the dirt as a woman is brought to him in adultery. The God who speaks still speaks, and that's what I'm here to say to you today. No matter what your story is or where you are, no matter who you are, I want you to know Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and he is here. And he, pays, he paid a debt that we could not pay and so I want to encourage you, we have to decide. We have to stop. We have to try. We have to experience Jesus for ourselves. Nobody can do that for us. You want to decide? You want to stop this morning? You want to try this morning? You want to experience Jesus this morning? You can. Father, I pray for every person here. I thank you, Lord, for your word that teaches us your ways. Lord, I pray that you would help in our unbelief, that you would give us faith to believe in a mighty God. And in a world of fallenness and chaos, Lord, in a world full of suffering that you would help us to decide as we move forward who we're gonna trust. And that, Lord, we would pray for your restoration, your healing, your redemption, that we would stop trusting in everything else. And that, Lord, we'd also put forth the effort to turn towards you. Help us, Lord, do the 